2: You know, this show isn't about handing down truth like it comes from, you know, somebody in authority alone. This is about helping you find the truth on your own, because after all, you really should be your own fact checker. And One of the most reasoned voices when it comes to that quest for finding out what's going on is my friend Eric Peters from epautos.com. Eric, great to catch up with you once again.
1: Oh, likewise, Brian. I'm I'm going to try and do my best, mamas and papas imitation of California diapering on such a winter's day. <laughs> isn't Isn't it crazy?
2: You know, I, I'm looking around the country, and and I happen to yep. live in one of those little islands of freedom that uh, that still exists. So things look pretty normal to me, but yep. uh, but I'm looking at some of those uh, population centers, California being one of the big ones, and and yep. it's like. You you would think that, uh, that we were just entering the Black Plague.
1: Yeah, I, I've got a little bit of personal insight into it because I have family that lives in San Diego. My sister and her family live there. So uh, I was alerted post-haste to the reinstitution of the, uh, I'm going to call it now, my new term is the Chin Speedo requirement <laughs> for uh, going anywhere indoors. <laughs> And you know, I pity her. You know, I summon my Mister T voice and say, "I pity the fool." And I said, "Get out of there!" You know, you, it really, there, there are times when it's a good idea to to stand and fight, so to speak. And there are other times when it's wise to retreat. And I don't know. I think California's pretty much lost. I think uh, it it's, it behooves anybody who doesn't want to live the rest of their lives in a Jim Jones sickness cult to get out of there.
2: Wasn't it interesting, though? I think it was just a couple of days ago the uh, the governor of uh, Colorado actually declared an end. To the, yeah. to the COVID emergency. And I thought, now I, he's not exactly a right-winger by any stretch of the imagination, but even, it seems like the obvious is starting to, to dawn on even people who you would think would still be entrenched in the you know, power grab mode.
1: Well, he might have acquired uh, some information, which we, we, we'd circle back to and talk about. And uh, I think one of the easiest ways to gauge whether somebody is, uh, well, not necessarily a fraud, but well-intended, uh, or not is whether they provide information and then advise you to consider it and make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. If, on the other hand, they uh, tell you you have to agree with whatever they're telling you, and that any other information that's contrary is wrong, thinkful, then you can be pretty sure you're dealing with a fraud.
2: And it's it's not easy to get a, a good, solid take on things. I mean, the misinformation is rampant. You had a recent column on this, and maybe that's a good mm-hmm. place for us to start today. Yes, let's talk about. Uh, what what is meant by misinformation? I get the feeling this means different things to different people.
1: It does. Well, it's a pejorative. You know, it's a way to, to 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 stop the spread of information. And how do we determine what is true versus what is false without information? And that includes incorrect information. Truth can stand up to scrutiny and questioning. Falsehood can't. So if you put some information out there, people can evaluate it. They can fact check it, see whether it's true, whether it makes sense, and then make up their own minds. Um, When people talk about misinformation, generally what what they're talking about is the suppression of information that runs contrary to an assertion that must not be questioned. And this is a a very dangerous and fundamentally tyrannical point of view. And that's why I'm I'm so virulently opposed to it.
2: Nowhere am I seeing a greater effort to suppress misinformation than uh, when it comes to vaccines. Even from from Mm -hmm. official sources, if they say something that runs counter to the prevailing narrative that we're supposed to believe, you know, they get shut down and quickly.
1: Yeah, we're not even allowed to raise our hand and say, well, wait a minute. The definition of vaccine has been changed. It used to mean that uh, you were immunized against whatever the putative sickness was, and that's no longer true. Uh, these vaccines, and I always say it with irony and with air fingers quotes, uh, are at best uh, symptom palliators, meaning they, you know, they make you feel less bad if you happen to get this virus, but in no way do they prevent you from getting it. Now, this is a fact. It's not in dispute. You can still get the Rona if you're vaccinated, even if you've been doubly or triply vaccinated. That's a fact, but to state that is characterized as misinformation. And we've got people like RFK Jr., who's a lib, and so he's a little bit on the opposite side of the spectrum for me as a libertarian. But he's an honest guy, and he talks about these facts and gets excoriated for presenting these facts. Uh, you know, I, I pine for the time when we could just have an honest debate on the merits, on the facts, and when uh, you know, just presenting information wasn't considered some kind of a religious offense, which it is now.
2: You know, you point out in your article, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, Mm -hmm. uh, has has some pretty interesting data right now. But if you reference that data, even though that's an official source, you may be considered guilty of spreading misinformation because it's very clear there's some very unusual things. You're seeing professional athletes dropping Mm -hmm. on the field as they're playing and, and having cardiac arrest and some of them dying. And and we're supposed to pretend that that's just some remarkable coincidence that couldn't possibly have anything to do with the fact that they were mandatorily vaccinated.
1: Sure. And, and let's not forget the new abnormal of almost daily reports of previously healthy teenagers suddenly developing heart inflammation and other similar uh, circulatory related problems. Now, the interesting thing about VARES is it's not a new thing. It's been around for a long time. It's been... Uh, something that's uh, served as a kind of canary in the coal mine with regard to vaccines. That's the whole point of it. Uh, It's a means by which people can report problems with the vaccines. And in the past, these reports would lead to inquiries, and if the inquiries were substantiated, then action would be taken. You and I have talked before about the swine flu thing that occurred back around 1975 or so. And uh, back then, when I think the number was about 50 people, suffered serious adverse effects, meaning they died, about 50 people, and that was sufficient cause to shut down that program. Now, at the very minimum, right now, it's been acknowledged this is not in contention. A couple thousand people, at the very least, have died in conjunction with the jab, and yet these jabs are not being taken off the market. Not only that, they're being fo- they're being foisted on the category of people who are essentially at nil risk of getting or spreading this putative sickness, meaning children. Uh, According to the the data that I've read most recently, the number of kids who have actually died or suffered some really serious catastrophic health effect from the jab is now higher than the number of kids who supposedly have died as a result of getting the Rona.
2: Well, I can see why we're not supposed to question these kinds of things, because then we might start questioning other things that people in authority are insisting that we do that may or may not be in our best interest.
1: Yeah that's always been true but this is remarkably different in a way quantitatively you know this is this is you know it's a it's a word that i hesitate to use because you don't want to use it prematurely but i think it's a word that's applicable in this case and the word is evil you know we're talking about something that is causing real harm to lots of people and on the basis of what you know a, a sickness that 99.8 something percent of the population recovers from you know this is this is the definition of a mass hysteria that has been using that is being used to forward an evil agenda and what's being done to kids in particular is atrocious beyond imagining i you know i just can't get my head around these people who want to to shoot these kids up with these drugs that do god knows what to them you know and a lot of these people are the very same people who before the pandemic were obsessed with safety and you know we can't have can't have kids riding big wheels in the backyard without wearing a helmet and got to put them in their child safety seat because there's a a one in a quadrillion chance that they might uh, get hurt on account of that but now it's okay to hurt the kids for some reason it's a really bizarre and i think evil thing
2: well it leaves those of us who are looking for good information upon which to base our worldview um we have to do a little bit of extra digging In other words, uh, there's there's misinformation, and then there's the counter to misinformation, which seems aimed at keeping us from getting too close to the truth. Give me your best recommendations. Mm. A person who's serious about uh, finding out what's going on, what are some of the resources that you would point them toward?
1: Well, you know, this is really difficult, because we live in an extraordinarily confusing era when there is so much uh, information being put out there, and so much of it is being put forward dishonestly or disingenuously. We used to be able to kind of sort of trust the the mainstream so-called sources, which at that time were largely <coughs> concerned with reporting the news and the facts. And while they did slant it sometimes, <coughs> oh, pardon me, too much coffee or a little bit of Rona, <laughs> you know, they weren't outright propagandists as they are now so yeah the the thing to do is to just consult sources that seem legitimate. One very good source, in my opinion, uh, because it's the kind of thing that you can check for yourself, and the information that's being put forward isn't being sold to you with a religious mania it's 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 presented hey, here here's the data. You should look into this yourself is the children's uh, health defense fund that RFK Jr runs. Uh, really good, solid stuff there that's not ideological. And by the way, uh, check out his book on Fauci, which I think is currently the, the, right at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, that guy's doing yeoman's work. And again, even though you know, he and I are uh, in, in many ways at opposite ends of the spectrum, I greatly respect him for his integrity and his honesty.
2: Well, that's, this is one of the tests of uh, whether a person is sincere about learning is can they accept truth from any source? we got to mm-hmm. take a quick break. Eric Peters from epautos.com is my guest. I'll have a link to his website in the show notes, which you can find at com. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. Eric Peters from epautos.com
2: is my guest. If you're looking for a good take on what's going on around us, read what Eric has written, but also read the comments. He's got some fantastic uh, people who read and and comment on his work. Eric, one of the articles that uh, you recently published... Uh, a Tale of Two Bishops, mm-hmm. and I know people get upset when we start making comparisons between you know totalitarianism today and totalitarianism mm-hmm. 80-some years ago, but there are some very interesting parallels, and you did a very good job of connecting the dots between these, these two German religious leaders. Tell us the story.
1: Sure. Well, this is about standing up to totalitarianism. In the news uh, this week, uh, we, we, we discovered that a German card... Uh, by the name of Gerhard Muller has come out and denounced uh, the, the ghettoizing, the pariahizing of people who question the jab and who are opposed um, to taking away people's social rights and their legal rights and firing them and, uh, and you know, turning them into a pariah class that it's okay to spit on. And I thought it was very striking, very interesting that it turns out that, that this is a German clergyman who's doing this in Germany Because 80 years ago, uh, another German clergyman did the same thing, and his name was August von Galen, and he was the Bishop of Münster. And he was one of the very first prominent people in Germany to take the risk of standing up to the Nazis in public and denouncing what they were doing. And it presented a real conundrum for the Nazis because he was a popular guy. He was a well-known guy. And they couldn't just drag him off to the concentration camp. though They were just champing at the bit to do it. Uh, And the importance of what he did cannot be understated. He gave courage to other people who were less prominent and perhaps therefore more fearful of what might happen to them if they said something. And I think that the the cardinal's decision to come forward and speak his conscience publicly is going to have the same effect right now, and it's a wonderful thing. And I hope it has a synergistic effect and encourages more people to stand up and say, wait a minute, I've got questions about this. This is wrong. This makes me uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, it's. I I know people get to, you know, they they invoke Godwin's law. Oh, you're invoking Hitler here now. You know, I don't have to listen to anything you say. But, you know, Germany especially and Austria, too, the way that they are locking down and the way that Mm -hmm. they are, you know, ramping up the demands on their citizenry, you you would think that they would have learned something from not even 100 years before.
1: You know, it doesn't take much of a stretch actually to draw the parallel, because they're doing it for us. I read the other day, I wish I could remember the exact reference, but it was an official in either Austria or Germany who used this phrase. He said, the vaccinated, the unvaccinated are our misfortune. Uh, does that ring to you? Do you, have, do you? do you recall when a term very similar to that was used 80 years ago? Wow. Wow. The term used 80 years ago were the Jews are our misfortune. Yeah, it's so it was literally the same phrase, just substituting uh, unvaccinated for Jews.
2: Yeah, and and I guess the thing that shocks me, Eric, is how do people not see this? How do people not recognize what's going on? I, I I don't know that I don't know that they're evil or stupid. I think they just no don't want to see it.
1: That's it. Well, I think there are a number of factors in play here, and they all serve to benefit the powers that are behind this. And one of them I think is that most people are not evil. And that the paradox is people who aren't evil have difficulty coming to grips with evil because they themselves would not participate in such a thing. They themselves would not even think of such a thing. It's very difficult for them to imagine anybody else doing it, and that makes them very vulnerable because they want to believe ah, they've got good intentions, they're really just trying to help us. No, they're not really trying to depopulate us or sterilize us or do God knows what else they're trying to do to us. You know, that's one of the factors. And I think another factor is that people just don't want to stand out. They don't want to be the one who raises their hand first. So that's how that's how bullies succeed. They manage to dominate a group by seeing to it that nobody within that group dares to challenge the bully. But the other side of that is if there's one brave person in that group who will challenge the bully, it will give courage to the other people in the group to do the same.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, I, I think about people, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Hannah Arendt. Yes. And she talked about the how... The
1: banality of evil. Yeah, it's,
2: it's not, you know, you, you, you don't see this clearly identifiable monster with horns and, you know, reeking of sulfur and, you know, that's, that's going right. around doing evil. It's ordinary people who just obey or go along because they don't want to rock the boat.
1: Sure. The, the tyrant cannot impose his tyranny without the passive complicity of ordinary, decent people. You you know, you heard the term when we talk about Nazi Germany, about the good German. And what it meant was an average person who himself wasn't a bad guy or a bad woman, but nonetheless did bad things because they were afraid to stand up to the tyrant. So they figured, I, you know, I'm just not going to do anything, and I hope that I won't get, get tyrannized. And the tragedy about that is that... <laughs> You know, if you're not brave enough to take a stand for something because you think that doing so will lead to your being harmed, it's certain that you will be harmed eventually. It's just a question of when your turn in line is going to come.
2: Well, and, I, you know, when you your article about the the tale of two bishops um, made me think about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, yes. who mm-hmm. also was a German uh, clergy member who spoke yep. out against and eventually was imprisoned and then murdered by the Nazis just yep. before the end of the war. But he yep. talked about how to, to not say something is, is still to, to lend your support. To, in other words, you can't just hide your head and pretend it's not happening. You've got to be willing to risk whatever you know, the consequences are. If you see evil taking place, you really should be courageous enough to say what it is and you know, take the licks.
1: You do, and I'm going to say something very patriarchal now. I think that it is particularly incumbent upon us as men to do that first. Because we are in a better position to endure the uh, assaults, the slings and arrows of fortune, as it were, than women, and particularly children, who I think, again, patriar- patriarchal comment, that we as men have an obligation to protect before we protect ourselves.
2: This is ironic, because you, you have no idea what I have coming up later in the show, but I actually have mm-hmm. a great commentary from James Howard Kunstler, where he mm-hmm. makes exactly that call. He says, men, yep. it is your job to help bring order. And you should stop hiding among the women and children and pretending you're one of them. So, amen, Eric.
1: (laughs) You're right on the money. Absolutely. You know, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, it gives us as men purpose. And uh, our job is to help to restore order and to prevent chaos. Another guy that I'm a big fan of, and I'm sure you're familiar with him, and if people listening to this aren't, I recommend they become familiar with him, is Jordan Peterson, who's become quite famous over the last several years. The guy is... He's very pithy, but he's very wise, and he's got a lot of good things to say about all of these topics.
2: All right, Eric, we're down to about two minutes left. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the automotive side of your website. In addition to, sure. to clear and, and mm-hmm. concise commentary upon uh, you know political happenings, you also do a lot of uh, work with, with automotive things. Have you test-driven anything recently that is, is worthy of a brag? <laughs>
1: Trying to think of anything that's been particularly worthy of a brag. Uh, Unfortunately, most of the vehicles that I have test driven recently uh, are crossover SUVs, which I uh, often refer to with a kind of snarky uh, uh, intonation in my voice as the universal transportation appliance. Not that they're bad cars. However, I will be getting something fairly good soon, and that is the new Jeep Grand Cherokee, which is a real SUV and not a crossover and which uh, it looks like is going to offer the, the Hellcat Supercharged V8 as an option. Ooh. Um, so get it while you can, though, because unfortunately Dodge is having to bend knee to the political pressure being applied by the Wilksters in D.C. to go all-electric, which is a, something we can talk about in the next show, perhaps.
2: Yeah, well, you've been one of the voices who's been uh, leading out on, you know, talking about the, the push toward electric vehicles, whether the public wants them or not. I think we're mm-hmm. being convinced or people are telling us, oh, no, no, you really want this, but it seems a lot of this is coming from regulatory minds
1: instead. Well, almost all of it is coming from regulatory minds. There's very little uh, natural demand for this for a variety of reasons, and chief among them is the cost. You know, you can uh, talk all day long about the various virtues of the electric car, even let's just, you know, without, without debating it, say that they're good for the environment. Okay, well, well and good. Problem is if people can't afford it, it's irrelevant. You know, I, I made a comment on another show that I'd very much like to have a serious vision jet, you know, personal jet. I'd love that. I'd love people to, to just jump in my own personal jet and fly wherever I'd like to without getting crotch-grabbed at the airport. Problem is, it's $2.1 million, and that's a bit above my budget. <laughs> so doesn't matter how neat the Cirrus Vision jet is, or for that matter, uh, an electric car. I can't afford to spend forty or $50,000 on a car. Can you?
2: No. No. We are unfortunately up against the clock. Eric Peters from epautos.com is my guest. Eric, looking forward to our visit next week. You bet.
0: This is the Brian Hyde Show. This is the Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show.
2: Did you know one of my sponsors, lifesavingfood.com, has dusted off an amazing offer? For my listeners alone, you should feel very privileged. This is not being extended to anybody except those within the sound of my voice. So if uh, food storage is your thing, or if you think that someday food storage might be your thing, this might be a good time to uh, click on the link that I provide in today's show notes and go to lifesavingfood.com. Here's the deal. They sell food storage. And they have everything from individual cans to grab-and-go packs to, you know, full, you know, this will feed your whole family for a year, types of food storage. My listeners can enjoy the following benefits by using the coupon code HIDE at checkout. A 30% discount. No, that's correct. 30% discount. No sales tax and free delivery. Or free shipping, I should say. Free shipping, no sales tax, 30% discount. Holy cow. What are you waiting for? Lifesavingfood.com. Again, it's in the show notes or you can just go straight to the website. Take advantage of this while you can. Might be a great time to give food storage as Christmas gifts. Just saying. I would be thrilled if someone gave me food storage. I'd be like, wow, you really care about me. Kind of a far cry from the years. Well, I was hoping for a side-by-side. But no, I I think the food storage actually would be pretty nice, too. Although if somebody's thinking of giving me a a side-by-side for Christmas, I'm not going to turn you down. I'll just put that out there. You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said, To stand for truth is nothing. For truth, you must sit. In jail, and as I look around us today, I'm finding that is actually that's not uh, that's not a bad sentiment. Some of the best people I know, and let me qualify what I mean by best, people who are principled, people who are willing to stand up for what is right, even when it causes them pain and suffering, even when they have to suffer for their beliefs. Yeah, they kind of get uh, they get run through the system. They get uh, dragged through and and maligned, and of course, people you know spit on their their name and their reputation. But some of the most consistent defenders of freedom, and I'm thinking of people like Ammon Bundy and Ryan Bundy and others. Um, oh, Sarah Walton Brady is another one. This is the mom from Meridian, Idaho, arrested a couple months into the the pandemic uh, for for taking her kids to a playground. Do you remember those fun days when, you know, the playgrounds were all roped off with crime scene tape? Well, you know, a police officer showed up and told him, you guys are trespassing. And, and Sarah, being just a, a good, albeit a little fiery individual, she, she asked him questions. What, what law are you following here? How can we be trespassing? This is a public place. These kids are outdoors. And finally, you know, the police officer started escalating because she wasn't cooperating quickly enough. And she said, what are you going to do, arrest me? He arrested her. And now the the state of Idaho has been taking her through the ringer over and over again. They keep delaying having an actual trial. I personally, I think they're afraid to put her in front of a jury because the jury is going to turn around and stick that case in the state's ear and break it off for being so obtuse. So why are you taking this woman to court? Why are you pursuing this as a grave criminal matter? It never was. It was a matter of bureaucratic overreach it was a matter of a woman having the courage to stand up and the system is punishing her the 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 punishment is the process not the actual outcome of any trial she spent tens of thousands of dollars on lawyers and it's it's just it's it's very difficult so Solzhenitsyn was right moral courage comes at a cost and i want to i want to share with you an excerpt this is from becky akers from uh, lewrockwell.com. This is about another hero, and I look, Brian, are you trying to persuade us that people who are jailbirds are people we should look up to? What I'm saying is, the best people that you are likely to meet are people who are in real danger of going to jail because they cannot be separated from their principles, not because they're going around victimizing people, but because they present an example of what courage looks like and the state or the people who thrive upon the state's power. Look at that as a threat. Becky Akers writes, The People's Democratic Republic of Minnesota has once again shamed itself in the persons of of Judge Joseph Bultel, city attorney Kelly Martinez, and six spineless jurors. That tyrannical octet has imprisoned an entrepreneur for opening her business during our rulers' pandemic. And Bully, I'm uh, sorry, Builtel, added gross injury or insult to injury by smugly lecturing the heroine of this story and sentencing her to nine times what her prosecutor suggested. So, the, the woman in question here is uh, Ms. Melissa, I'm sorry, Melissa Lisa Hansen. She operates a bistro in Albert Leah, Minnesota. And it's a bistro that she refused to close despite Governor Tim Walz's illegal decrees. Well, hell hath no fury like Leviathan's scorn, says Becky Akers. Ergo, the beast has savaged Miss Hansen with a flurry of charges and dates in court. Last Thursday's circus, at which, which Miss Hansen represented herself, resulted in a sentence of 90 days in jail and a fine of $1,000. Now, the prosecutor recommended 10 days, a fine of $500 in court fees. Court fees. And Becky Akers says, call me wildly misinformed, but... Don't our taxes finance courts and their associated sociopaths? Meanwhile, when polled, all of the six jurors affirmed that guilty was their verdict. To which Ms. Akers says, well, way to go there, sheeple. Not a one of you fit to wipe Miss Hansen's shoes. But thereafter, the judge scolded this outstanding patriot for 20 minutes as he vindictively condemned her to the pokey. Now, Ms. Hansen's analysis, she said, look, there's no reason to put a person like me behind bars. Just because I have a passion for liberty and freedom doesn't mean I should be put behind bars. But Becky Aker says, au contraire, my dear, that's precisely why the bully is socking you away. Here's hoping he sowed the seed of, of his seeds of his verdicts overturning with his blatant bias. This is from a news story. The judge said, you were a public risk because you kept your business open. Hansen was like a career criminal or a drug or alcohol offender, he said, and the only sentence he felt was appropriate would be to cause restraint, both to keep Hansen from acting like this again and to stop others from following suit. Buelltel said Hansen took advantage of the COVID-19 restaurant shutdowns by being the only store with her doors open. You sure played them for the fool, didn't you, the judge said. You just wanted to make money during a global pandemic. Yeah, money that the state steals from her and pays to you, bully. So your disdain is, you know, noted, but it's also pretty questionable. Buelltel barely concealed his personal animus against Hansen, says the news article. Isn't that interesting? Oh, and listen to this quote. This is, this is a quote uh, from, uh, from the judge. You don't want to recognize our law. I want to reinforce that the law does apply to you. I want to send a message to the community that executive orders are law. Really? Okay. So so uh, Becky Akers asks, since when do defendants languish in a cage to send a message to the community? Yo, bully, you ever heard of uh, carrier pigeons, letters, phones, and advertising? Take your pick. Send all the messages you like. But how dare you brutalize this intensely admirable lady? And when Hanson asked, well, uh, could I have a more detailed explanation of what the sentencing would look like? The judge told her, you're your own counsel. Figure it out. Holy cow. Second offense. So when the revolution comes, Becky Aker says, I hope the Minnesotans top their list of COVID criminals with this insufferable goon. Now, here's the worst part. Okay, so she's got nine months in jail. $1,000 $1,000 fine, but she has yet to be tried for the three remaining misdemeanors. Two additional counts of violating emergency orders, one count of public nuisance. Hansen could spend up to nine months in jail and be fined an additional $3,000 for those charges. Now, I look, I'm not saying you have to agree with her. But can we agree that uh, who's the victim? Who was the victim in her keeping her business open? Trying to stay alive. I know, obviously, the judge is well, you're just trying to be greedy. Everybody else is closed. Why aren't you suffering with the rest of the crabs? Let's pull you back into the bucket. How dare you try to get out? Now you start to realize why there are so few people who are really willing to stand up and assert their rights. Not only do they risk fines and jail and court time and all of the, you know, attendant uh, stress that comes along with that, but their names are dragged through the mud. They're, we're, we're told to look at them as if they are little more than criminals. By the way, uh, Ms. Hansen, as I understand, departed into the state's dark night valiantly. As she was led away by deputies following the sentencing, she raised her hand and stated, liberty and freedom. Surprised you didn't catch a contempt of court charge for saying such, such provocative words, man. <laughs> it irritates me. You can probably tell. It's, I understand people can disagree. But to use the power of the state to punish people who have not legitimately harmed anyone, who have caused no measurable, provable harm, where there is no victim, it's just a matter of the state's wounded pride. Well, you didn't follow our authority. You did not recognize our authority. That's uh, that's where we find ourselves. And to those jurors, wow. Where did they go so far astray? It only takes one juror, you know, to say nope and to hang the jury. But that didn't happen this time. Probably a lesson in that as well.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show.
2: I have to tread very carefully where I'm about to go because this is the kind of stuff, these are the kind of questions... It will get you deplatformed and, uh, you know, in some cases, you know, the cancel culture crowd will be released against you. But I'm really concerned as I I look around some of the trends that I'm seeing right now, um, particularly when I go to LewRockwell.com. This is one of my favorite resources for wrong thinkers. LewRockwell.com is a news aggregator site. Lots of opinions, commentary, news articles that are posted on a daily basis. And there is a very definite trend this appears to be, uh, you know, starting to, to stand out of professional athletes collapsing and or dying unexpectedly, as well as children having difficulty, heart problems out of the clear blue sky. And I know that, you know, we're, we're being told, well, this is just nothing more than a bunch of uh, remarkable coincidences. But isn't it interesting that, uh, you know, there there are some serious questions now about um, why don't the vaccine you know effects i mean like protecting you from from disease why is that uh, why is that so short lived why is it the people that were fully vaccinated just a few months ago now cannot claim to be fully vaccinated because they haven't had their boosters something fishy is going on here but it's the vaccine injuries or potential vaccine injuries i should say that are really causing some interesting questions and one of the most uh, mo- most interesting observations this is from robert bridge is, have professional athletes become the canaries in the proverbial COVID coal mine? Here's what he has to say. This was an article that was uh, written for the Strategic Culture Foundation. Amid studies showing a link between some vaccines and heart problems, professional athletes appear to be collapsing on the field of dreams like never before. And in this case, uh, Robert Bridge says... uh, Are these incidences normal occurrences? Are they coincidences or symptomatic of mandatory vaccine programs? Now, as more countries make vaccinations mandatory, requirements, uh, you know, so that you can participate in any aspect of life, including that of sporting events, stadiums around the world have become something of testing grounds for determining the efficacy of the rollout. And so far, the results don't look particularly promising. Now, before I go any further, I got to tell you, I talked with a friend who was um, in another city, he went to attend a comedy show, and he says, you know, it kind of sucked the fun right out of this comedy show. We get to the venue, we're getting ready to, to go and, and attend, but there's this line a mile long, and he's like, what on earth is going on here? Well, they were checking people's vaccination status, as well as wanding them, taking their you know cell phones and making sure that they were you know locked into a, a bag of some sort. And it just hit me that uh, we are really seeing more and more spaces becoming controlled environments. And and the, the thing I would liken to is not even so much the airport. It's not like, oh, we're checking everybody for weapons to make sure nobody's going to hijack a plane. It's more like America is slowly, piece by piece, being transformed into a giant federal courthouse. I think back to when I was covering the Bundy trial about uh, four years ago down in Las Vegas. And every time you walked into that federal courthouse, you have this massive, imposing building, you know, first of all, that's there to remind you of the majesty of of this this wonderful entity that you're uh, having contact with. But literally, the moment you walk in the door, the government is flexing on you at every single turn. You've got to walk through a metal detector. Um, some of the marshals were actually very, very nice. Some of those U.S. marshals were, were very down to earth. Many of them were not. They had been trained that my word is God's word. And I, you know, whatever I say comes out, whatever comes out of my mouth is the law. And it's just everywhere you turn, you know, you, you have, you don't wear a hat. Don't do this. Don't do that. You, you had to obey. And the state was there to make sure that everywhere you looked, you were reminded that it was in charge. Kind of a crazy thing. Nonetheless, going back to the story here, last month, the world of female rugby was rocked by the news that Scottish sensation, and I don't know how to say this name, um, Siobhan Cadogan, 26-year-old, died suddenly in non-suspicious circumstances, as the Daily Mail reported. Any time a young person, not least of all a healthy star athlete, dies unexpectedly, there's some inherent element of suspicion involved. Maybe not in the criminal sense, but certainly from a medical point of view. Moreover, Robert Bridge writes, had Cadogan's premature death, the cause of which has not been disclosed, been an isolated incident, well, we could chalk it up as something like a tragic fluke. But it appears that Car- Cadogan's sudden death was not an isolated event, but part of a disturbing trend in the world of sports. And from here, he goes through and lists off um, different athletes stricken by health injuries just in the, in the same week. Isn't that strange? And he asked, do any of these emer- health emergencies prove that the mandated COVID vaccines were to blame? Absolutely not. In fact, many medical professionals have been quoted in the media on these incidences that are that they're inclined to blame it just on co- coincidence. The Daily Mail went so far as to say that scientists have rejected the suggestion that vaccines were suspect especially as the country braces itself for a possible wave of more cases and deaths from COVID after the discovery of the Omicron variant. Now, the conclusion by Reuters, after consulting with a number of medical experts, was nearly identical. No evidence COVID-19 vaccines are linked to athletes collapsing or dying from myocarditis. Nevertheless, the sudden spate of on-field emergencies has raised questions among several seasoned veterans of the game. This is ex-pro footballer Kevin Gage on Twitter, says, in my 19 years as a pro footballer and then my 20-plus years of watching and commenting, I've never seen any players collapse, pass out, either live or during any of the thousands of training sessions and matches I've taken part in. Well, that's interesting. Former England star Trevor Sinclair, speaking about the incident involving Fleck on radio station TalkSport, says, I think everyone wants to know if this player, by the name of Fleck, who collapsed, had had the COVID vaccine. He says, everyone I speak to about these heart problems suffered by footballers, which worryingly seem to be happening more regularly, is are they linked to COVID vaccines or not? Now, I get it. Anecdotal evidence aside, is there anything in the medical literature to suggest a cause and effect may be in play? Well, the answer points to the affirmative with various studies indicating possible health issues associated with the vaccines. Yet these risks, albeit rare, are being downplayed by social and mainstream media. Isn't that kind of curious? I mean, let's not blow it out of proportion, but let's not try to kick it under the carpet either. In early November, the American Heart Association, not your average right-wing group of conspiracy theorists, released a report with the lengthy title, Abstract 10712, MMA COVID Vaccines Dramatically Increase Endothelial Inflammatory Markers and ACS Risk as Measured by the PULS Cardiac Test. A warning. And the conclusion from the American Heart Association is worthy of some attention. Quote, We conclude that the mRNA vax dramatically increase inflammation on the endothelium and T-cell infiltration of cardiac muscle and may account for the observations of increased thrombosis, cardiomyopathy, and other vascular events following vaccination. Now, despite the long-standing reputation of the American Heart Association, Twitter still had to affix a warning stamp to the study claiming it to be unsafe. So you may not want to consider that because this, this is counter to the narrative. Alrighty then. Meanwhile, the first glimpse of uh, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine trial data, which is being released at the exclu- excruciatingly slow rate of 500 pages per month, means that full disclosure will not occur until the year 2076. Doesn't that instill confidence? The vaccine makers are immune from any kind of legal repercussions if someone is by some chance injured by the vaccine. And as far as the information about you know the trial data, well you'll have to wait you know 70 or 55 years or so for that to, to come out. So is it, uh, is it happening that, uh, that this is, is causing heart problems? We don't know. That's the point. We don't know. But as the world navigates its way through this period of impenetrable darkness along a coastline riddled with dangerous rock formations, Robert Bridge says it would seem wise not to discount any possibilities, no matter how unsettling. That's the only way of allowing the science to indiscriminately determine the facts, Ignoring the other side of the debate as conspiracy theorists, however, is going to prevent the necessary discussion from ever taking place which may very well be the goal behind such a risky game. I'm not telling you, don't get the vaccine. But I'm telling you, the people who are asking questions about the vaccines and about some of the potential uh, downsides of those vaccines, they're not wrong to be asking these questions. And they shouldn't be silenced just because it makes some people uncomfortable. And never, under any circumstances, should the state... brought into the matter to bring its coercion and its organized force into making people take an injection of something that they do not voluntarily choose to take in. Thus endeth our sermon. Thanks for being part of our
0: audience. This is The Brian Hyde Show.